for knowledge. Welcome to the PPC Burrito, the podcast of choice for marketers hungry for knowledge of all things pay-per-click. I'm Michael Kenny. And I'm Becky Hopkin. And we represent Digital Gearbox, a PPC specialist agency dedicated to helping businesses around the world grow using Google, Facebook, Instagram and Bing. Vicky! <laughs> Michael! How you doing? You right. Yeah, I'm just binging away in the background. We should... Binging away. We should say Microsoft ads, really, shouldn't we? We need a little swear jar when we say bing. No, bing Bing is the word. It's it's playful and bouncy and nice. Whenever you say... You know, if I was to do this again, Google, Facebook, Instagram and Microsoft advertising. <laughs> it's just... It doesn't roll off the tongue, does it? Okay. Bing! Bing! How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm looking forward to today's chat. Mm, it's a good. Mm. It's a good. Yeah, we're not going to waste much time. We, we need to get into it because it is a whopper of a conversation. So we're going to forego the PPC tip, but we do have a brilliant tip that's waiting for you on the other side of our chat. So with that in mind, Becky, my wonderful co-host, are you ready for today's chat? I am ready. Let's do this. The daddy of digital agency growth, Robert Craven, has helped scale businesses through practical, no-nonsense strategies and advice for longer than most of us have been alive. One of the UK's most sought-after keynote speakers, Robert leads the Guider Initiative and its digital agency growth program and has also been integral in developing the Google Partners' agency training program. It's a pleasure to welcome such a distinguished pro to the podcast today. Welcome to the burrito, Robert. How are you ah, doing? Welcome, welcome. Fantastic. <laughs> Wonderful to be here. Certainly a thrill, as I would say. <laughs> I, I, I mean, the energy, the energy is in the room, as they say. It's uh, wonderful having you here, Robert. And uh, I feel like I mean, we've got a lot. We've got a lot to get into. We've got a list of questions. We're going to be picking your brains because every agency owner is going to be listening to this and going, what? how how can I grow? How can I scale? What qualities do I need to have? But before we do that, though, Robert, um, can you just get us started by telling us a little bit about your own background what, what led you to this life, this crazy life dedicated to driving agency growth? Oh, so my father said, go to university, become an accountant. And I realised <laughs> I, I realized on the first day that was a really, really bad idea. As the, girls, the girls had raincoats and umbrellas and the boys were wearing parkas. <laughs> and set up my first business in the final year, which was like a cafe, became a restaurant, fell into consulting, doing some bars up in Sheffield, uh, and fell into consulting. And then before I knew where I was, uh, I was doing lots of consulting with 
um, professional service firms, accountants, lawyers, marketing agencies, architects, and uh, felt a bit out of my depth, went and did an MBA at Warwick Business School where I only learned one thing. I can tell you what that is later on. And uh, suddenly found that I was in about 2015. My God, nearly all our clients are marketing agencies or digital agencies or web designers. Uh, at the same time, Google approached us. And since 2015, we've worked 99% exclusively with what I call digital agencies or marketing agencies. So on that note, Robert, let's let's start with a really big question. And that is what makes a good digital agency? And I think not only will the agencies that are listening to this podcast be interested in the answer to this, but also anyone who who's client side and they're considering using a digital agency, what might they look out for? Oh, okay, that's a different question from what I said. So what is a good agency if you're running an agency, I think is EBITDA of 25, 30%. Um, what makes a good agency uh, from the client's point of view? And that's entirely different, isn't it? Because from a client's mm-hmm. point of view, you want someone who can answer the following questions. Do you understand business? Yes. Do you understand my business? Yes. Do you understand me? Yes. And do you understand how to get me more better clients? Yes. And is there a kind of an alignment of how we talk and do stuff? Yes. In which case, yes, please, I want some of it. <laughs> so, from the, so from the client's point of view, it's entirely different, isn't it? The clients want something, something which isn't which isn't the same as what we want, and uh, and I think that's that's the key really about understanding. Customer is king. And do you think many agencies have that approach? No, <laughs> <laughs> we are pants. Okay, <laughs> and and the reason we're pants, maybe I should just have bit more of that whiskey uh the reason the reason the reason we're pants is because most of us you know we do some some kind of uh development or ppc or seo or web design or whatever it is we do it kitchen table dining room table get a couple of freelancers to help out hey wow we've got five people we employ that's seven ten and and the reason we did it in the first place was because of our our love of the the technology of the technique and so on and so forth but but running your own business is entirely different from being good at doing the work and i think that 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 so many agency folk are are, are really great at the work and the reason they started running an agency was because they're really great at the work but they don't understand that the the, the business of running a business it's very different from the business of, of delivering in a business. Mm. And so that's that's kind of, you know, uh, level level one problem, I guess. Mm. Uh, yeah. so, so today I was talking to a, a lovely person, two-person business, uh, but pulling, pulling her hair out because she's trying to do the accounts, she's trying to do the books, she's trying to do business development, she's trying to do client stuff. I have to take my phone on holiday. I have to have to make sure I've got internet connection. What happens if my client's phone at eight o'clock at night, you know, and and being absolutely pulled apart. And that wasn't what she signed up for. What she signed up for was I write really great code, you know, and she's been been sabotaged by this this idea that running a business is a cool thing to do. 
Which it is, of course. <laughs> well, well, it is a cool thing to do. Don't get me wrong. It's, I'm not saying it's not a cool thing to do. But I think what happens is we get sucked into this idea that, uh, hey, I'm going to be the next Richard Branson. I'm going to be wild, richer than my wildest dreams. <laughs> and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And actually what we're doing is we are like signing our death warrant. We're like banging the nails into our coffin. And this one is I'm now dependent on getting customers. This one's I'm now dependent on staff. This one I'm now dependent on the bank or Stripe or whoever it is. This one I've now got to learn how to work zero. This one is I've now got to work learn how to work in in collaboration, and and some people are awesome at that. You know, don't get me wrong. And and some people are pants. Mm. Is so. This is this sounds to me like it's kind of a, a, a behavioral a, a kind of state of mind thing in that the person that you used in your example they are really really good at coding however they do not enjoy the responsibilities and pressures associated with essentially managing an entire operation so would you say then the i mean is it is it the case where some people who do you think we've been brainwashed to all believe that we need to be our own boss? Yes. Thatcher is who I blame. <laughs> I'm afraid. Those of you who don't remember her, she was a prime minister uh, with fairly right-wing views. Um, and, 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 and yeah, I, I don't think we've been brainwashed. I think what's happened is we bought into the American dream. You know, the American dream is... Uh, kitchen table, dining room table, garage, industrial unit, own offices, and along comes Densu and gives you five million pounds. <laughs> and the reality is that that happens to one in a thousand, one mm. in ten thousand, and then, and then we're also brainwashed because who, 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 what, what stories do we read? We read about Uber and Facebook and LinkedIn, mm. and, and we read about all these big stories, but they are not the norm. And it's like me thinking, you know, when I was a kid, that I play football for England. So, so what happens is we get kind of mesmerized by this wonderful dream. And then we spend way too much of our lives with fear of missing out. And instead of saying, wow, actually, I'm really happy with 10 staff or five staff or, or no staff, we feel we could be doing better. There's this bloody... Uh, monkey on our shoulder saying, you've only got one staff. Oh, you're only turning over £50,000. That person we met at that networking thing, they're doing twice as well as you. And, mm. we, and we feel like, we, I mean, I mean l l I've got no problem. If, you, if you're really into growing a business and making loads of money and being profitable, and that's cool. That, that's fine as well. But I, I think that the, we, the, the industry has shortchanged people who want a lifestyle who mm. want who want to take the kids to school in the morning uh have some really great holidays see their friends on a friday night and not go prematurely gray <laughs> it's it's really interesting that you say that because it, i mean it's something that we are seeing more and more and we're talking about it more and more and, and this idea of kind of generational conditioning has essentially led an entire generation uh to to believe that they are destined for something great they're destined to launch the next apple and when it doesn't happen you see i mean we're seeing the levels of depression skyrocket from people who are trying to launch businesses and they're failing and they can't get their businesses off the ground myself personally i mean i, I was raised 
raised by my dad, who was a serial entrepreneur from like from the sixties. He's like he's like your age, Robert. Um, and um, I'm not no comment. <laughs> <laughs> but but the, the wider question is 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 that the digital agency service industry, you know, w- whether it was through Americanism or Thatcher Thatcherism, has has essentially boomed over the last decade, the last two decades, and. Let's be real. It shows absolutely no signs of slowing down. More and more agencies are being uh, established today. Um, how in this increasingly saturated industry, how can an agency grow and thrive in such a competitive area? Well, I think I think the problem, again, take it, I mean, this is where we started this conversation is from the customer's point of view. From the customer's point of view, it is really, really beige. Now I know you've got your cool ping pong table and your cool fridge and your bloody cushions. <laughs> but you know, be under no illusions, everyone has that. So so the problem for the for the for the potential customer is is what makes you different. Uh, because you employ the similar people with similar uh, qualifications using similar software and similar hardware to sell similar products and similar services at similar prices to similar people using similar marketing techniques and similar websites and it is incredibly beige and 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 samey and 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 most agencies if I go to 99% of agency websites it says what makes us different from the rest is our way we care for our customers and how we are obsessed with customer service everyone says that so it doesn't make you bloody unique it makes you the same as everyone else i mean what don't you get you know and then there'll be a picture of either people climbing trees or pulling on ropes and it'll say it'll say we deliver we deliver incredible value for money at reasonable prices everyone bloody well says that it is so beige and blancmange and dull as ditch water (laughs) and then and then of course you say what makes us different is our people but you don't show us your people you don't give us videos of your people you don't you might have some photos but you don't let me hear your people talking so so we in, in that yeah, I'm simplifying it in a way, but but we shortchange people, and then on the other side, you know, when we try and when agencies try and sell, um, they always end up kind of selling uh, without thinking about why should people bother to buy from us when they could buy from the competition. What makes us different from the rest, you know? And if you think about your accountant, your pub your architect, your lawyer, hopefully there's a reason why you went to them, which was they spoke your language, they were local, you went to school with them, uh, they specialise in your industry, um, they're your age, they're not your age, they act as a mentor. And and all the agencies have Me Too sites. For some reason, people think that if our site looks like everyone else's site, there's safety in numbers. And, and no, you know, from the customer's point of view, no. I think one of the most memorable moments from the Google Elevator program that I met you on, Robert, was when you, you did pull up a few agency websites and <laughs> just highlighted how similar they all were. But it is a, it is a real challenge, I think, as, mm. as an agency to think 
to verbalize what does make you different and I think what again what I took from you was pushing out the actual work that you've done is so important so highlighting the case studies showing who you've actually worked with showing what kind of results you've delivered um is one way that you can do that well I'd I'd go I'd go further than that Mm. actually because I think look you know put yourself put the customer's hat on you know what questions the customer is thinking they're thinking how much does it cost and you're saying oh we'll wait until we do a one-to-one with them and then we'll discuss (laughs) that you know they're thinking what happens if it goes wrong and you're thinking we'll wait until we talk to them one-to-one then we can sort that one out they're thinking how else can i get this stuff done not just other competitors but other techniques do i have to have seo or ppc is it is it possible i could do email marketing or stuff and you're thinking let them confront us when they confront us and then you're they're thinking who have they worked with that i might know so rather than them coming to your website and going i wonder how much it costs oh it doesn't tell me i'll go somewhere else why don't you tell them on the website why don't you have a little video that says working with us uh typically is five thousand pounds a month and then you, then I can either bog off because you're not big enough or too big. Or why don't you say who your competition are? Why don't you say who who uh, other ways that people can get the results that they want? Then, because that's what I'm going to do, I'm going to Google that in any case. So why don't you help me make that decision? And that then creates a filter where I, where one, I spend lots of time with you because you're answering my questions, you're talking my kind of language or not, and if not, that's fantastic because I'll bog off somewhere else. But also, every extra minute I spend on your website kind of increases the likelihood that I'm gonna pick up the phone. And as we know, when people approach us, they've normally decided whether they're gonna buy from us or not. And all all we've done is got Mm -hmm. them to invest heavily in understanding how we work. Why are we so? Why are we as agencies so scared of um, talking about our prices publicly? Long pregnant pause. <laughs> <laughs> um, because we don't value what we're worth. I think because because so that's that's part of it. So mm. uh, I'm a great fan of value added pr- pricing. So if if working with you can give me £10,000 of additional bottom line profit mm. uh, and you say to me that costs £1,000 or £2,000 or £3,000 or £4,000, I'll say yes. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't asked you how many hours are you working. I don't care whether it's one hour or 10 hours or 100 hours. If, mm. if the cost of customer acquisition is considerably lower than the lifetime value of the customer, I'm yours. But I think, again, it's going back to our starting point of selling hours. We get preoccupied with how many hours have I done, blah, 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 blah. And then what is my fee rate? And then there's a whole load of total and utter bollocks in the industry. Sorry to say that about about price points, because when you go to your networking meetings and talk about price points and someone says to you, so what are you charging? Everybody lies. You know, everyone lies about what their what their average price is. They talk about that one time when they work with someone important, and and so we and then and then we we go and look at benchmark studies where either everyone's lying lying or it's not necessarily you're not comparing 
apples and apples you're comparing apples and pears because mm -hmm. like a, an agency in in Cornwall doing pure PPC you know has an entirely different business model from an agency in London that might be trying to sell itself in a year's time so saying one's a hundred pound an hour and one's 80 pound an hour is kind of irrelevant because you're not comparing like with like so so we get really confused about that and we forget about why we do it and the reason we do it is to add awesome value to our clients and that our clients should reward us accordingly I think one question back there, Robert, is do you think that buyers are always that that sophisticated? Because I think there there is an element where buyers... No, they're not. Yeah. No, they're not. No, they're not. They don't have... No, I, the analogy is the accountant. I only have one accountant at a time. I When my accountant says to me, I've just saved you £50,000 on your tax bill. Yeah. I don't know whether that's good or not. And I don't know whether another accountant could have saved more or less. Yeah. Similarly, for small agencies with small business clients, same thing applies. The the client is very inex is more inexperienced than you are. Mm -hmm. um, they don't spend all their time buying buying digital agency services. So they don't know what to expect. It's up to us to manage that expectation. Yeah. And 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 it's up to us, you know, to sell the promise that is that is digital, which is, you know, attribution, measurement, ROI, transparency. Mm -hmm. If we wish, we can we can, we can sell on that stuff. It becomes incredibly compelling when an agency says, you know, for every thousand pounds you give us, we believe we can give you two thousand pounds back. It's kind yeah. of like a no-brainer. Uh, what's not compelling is when you say to me, we're £80 an hour, because no. I'm going to just walk around and find someone at £75 an hour. Yes. So, I mean, you've touched on one very key attribute that is important to us as an agency, which is that transparency. And it's not just saying we're transparent on our website, it's demonstrating that by being upfront with costs. But what other attributes would you say uh agencies need to adapt to be truly built for success so to be built for success i think you have to have a really clear compelling um proposition and it probably has to be a proposition that doesn't appeal to everyone so being all things to all people's dreadful you know those you we all know these people that say we work with SMEs, big businesses, medium-sized businesses, not-for-profits and government organisations, and freelancers and startups. You know, you just work with anyone. You know, you're a tart. <laughs> so, so when you say we only work with lawyers, or we only work with um, uh, millennial young startup businesses, or or whatever it is. You know, you're starting to define who you work with and who you don't with work with. And the more niche you are, the better. Niche within a niche, even better. High growth within a specific niche. You know, that way you you can become an expert, and that way you're you can become a big player in a in a in a small pond rather than a small player in a big pond. So I think uh, one that value proposition, two the machinery of marketing, so you have a business development process. Then on the other side of that, 
you know, on the operations side, you have really great processes and systems. Now, I hate processes and systems as a vengeance. <laughs> I never went into business to measure everything I did or, or certainly not to measure anything that anyone who works for me does. But actually, you know, the really good businesses, they are, they have a process and a system for everything and they measure everything because that's how they can scale. So they, they, they have repeatable processes that work and if they don't work, they improve them. And so they can, they can bolt stuff in. So I think you've got the, the marketing side. I think you've got the operations side. Uh, then underneath that you have people and culture uh which is uh you know about that openness willingness to argue debate discuss share shared values uh the ability to actually be really good at measuring and being on top of stuff and then and then uh a big stroke of good luck <laughs> uh and if i look at all the businesses that I've run, there's been one event or instant where the business got catapulted, you know, and whether it was, you know, when I was at Warwick Business School, it was uh, a six million pound contract with Barclays from someone I met with a, the biggest hangover I've ever had in my life. <laughs> I saw that name badge and thought I had to try and talk to her. Uh, <laughs> Uh, with Google, I did a did an event in Athens where every single buyer uh, from the whole of the world was in was in that room on that day, and I got nineteen events. I got booked to do after that: South Africa, San Diego, Singapore. From that one event, so I think you need a yeah, and that's the old Gary Player thing about making luck, making your own luck, um, and kissing frogs. But I do think, but I do think there's a there's a there's a, a luck thing, and I'll, and I'll tell you why. If you read the books, or if you go to any of these networks things, and 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 the winner says, and they say, "Tell us, Mr. Winner, what was it you did that was so special to to explain why you're now such a rich person?" And they say, "Oh, we had an awesome strategy. We were brilliant at marketing, and our teams are awesome." And, and that's why we are in the position we are right now. But if you go to the graveyards of failed businesses uh, and you say to them, so what happened that you had to go bankrupt and withdraw your children from private school and become divorced? Uh, tell us about your business. And they, they said, well, it's weird because we had this brilliant strategy. We were awesome at marketing and we were really obsessed with teams. But we didn't get a piece of work because someone undercut us, cut us by half a percent. And that was the start of our demise. The, the, my point is that the, the reasons that winners win, sorry, the reasons we think winners win, that, that are publicised, I, I think that it's, you know, your history is written by the winners. Mm. And I think that the losers were trying to do the same thing. So therefore there's, there's there's something else there's there's something else which which I would attribute to a big a big stroke of luck you know and, and I'm not saying it's all about luck but I am saying that uh, um, I mean you know you and I were on a course whatever it was five years ago four years ago yeah. and some people in that room have become awesomely successful 
and some people have have faded from sight. And they were all they all had the same intention, they all had the same the same instruction, and yet some have become you know richer than their wildest dreams and others are struggling. And I guess I would attribute that to back to the beginning of the conversation mindset. Uh, and and then a smattering of good luck. It's people don't usually like to mention that they get lucky for some reason. I'm I'm not sure why. I mean, my dad always says so, but he's like long retired now. And uh, but when he was active, he'd never talk about the luck. Um, I, I I don't know why we don't. We we work hard, but some luck is required for things to to take off. You know, chance conversations, being in the right place at the right time. You know, yeah. and, and... and sliding sliding doors. I mean, I mean, there's, there's you know, the, the 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 call that you choose not to take, or you choose to take, or the decision to stay on at the after party, or or whatever it is. Um, I mean, you've got to be there there to play it. But I mean, you know, I, I remember one one really big client, um, and. And we got an email, and I and I and I and I wrote back saying, you know, you can you can sort off with this bloody phishing emails. And the reply came back saying, this is not a phishing email. I am the intern, and I am serious. And it's like, oh shit, you know, in which case, <laughs> I'm really really sorry about that. I didn't know you were an intern because it was written to Mr. Robert Spencer Craven of the Director Centre Limited. That's how the email went. Of oh, one, the High Street Bath, BA one eight A R. And it was like, this is just not real. This just feels like it comes from some bloody hoaxer. <laughs> um, so there are there are real sliding doors moments, you know. Definitely. What, what, I wanted to steer the conversation back towards the kind of what we could potentially give to anybody that's listening to this conversation. And, and you know, as, as I mentioned earlier on in the chat from my egregiously ageist comments you've been doing this for a long long time yeah uh, that is a good thing um but for all of your experience what have been the most common pain points that other agencies have come to you with oh oh you're going to ask me that i so the yeah. questions you hear all the time uh, i'm just wondering if i can i was talking about this just earlier on the questions you hear kind of divide up into the kind of the we questions and the I questions. So the we questions, I'll do the we questions first, because you just hear these all the time. And it's just like incredibly boring. Not boring. I could take that back. That's, that's wrong. <laughs> but, but you hear, why can't we get more better customers? Answer, mm. because you're, you're not very attractive. One, <laughs> and you don't have systems and processes in place. Why, okay why aren't we more profitable put your bloody prices up and and you know reduce your cost and increase your utilization and be more effective systems and processes why won't people do what we expect because you haven't told them what you expect and because i guess you don't reward your people when they do really well and when they do the wrong thing you likewise don't reward them there isn't a, a structure and a process and a system in place why aren't we hitting our targets because your targets were stupid, um, or because because the other thing would be because um, you haven't put in place the processes and systems, brackets tested, that should get you to where you want. In other words, we kind of know that you only make one in five proposals, therefore 
if you and the average proposal is worth ten thousand quid therefore how many phone calls do you need to make to get how many meetings to get how many proposals stuff we do for our clients but we don't necessarily do we do ourselves and then there's a whole bunch of questions about me yeah you know uh why am i working harder now than i've ever worked before because you don't delegate because you um I haven't got the systems and processes in place to do stuff because you don't realize that your job is to make decisions not to work in the business because uh you don't spend enough time doing thousand pound an hour work you spend too much time doing 10 pound an hour work should i hand over control which is a great question which is about am i the right person to lead the business and i think that's that's quite tricky because i think most businesses need need two two people running it you need you need the kind of extrovert, strategizing, joint venture uh, standing up on stage person, sales, biz dev person. But you also need the uh, what's called instigator or uh, uh, who actually who actually gets get stuff done. And I think one of the problems, big problems for agencies is we have very pointy heads. We're very, very <laughs> attractive very attracted to working in front of a, a computer screen but we're not all we're not all great at doing that extrovert stuff how do i get my mojo back really big question right now after the isolation of a year on in covid working through screens uh not necessarily looking after ourselves everything's become really agenda driven we've lost the ability to to kind of be innovative, to shoot the breeze, to to go wild, you know, uh, and, and that's become a really dominant question. Uh, brief answer is work less, do a three day week, spend the rest of the time walking and cycling and 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 get a plan in place for what you want to do and focus on delivering on a plan. And, and what's the secret source that I'm missing? And the answer is you're not. You know there isn't. Well, there is, but there isn't a secret source. You know, just just don't go to bloody Facebook and and click on another thing that says, you know, run a seven-figure agency with these five secrets, <laughs> or whatever it is. Because because you know the secret of running a business is have a compelling, attractive proposition that people want to buy and be able to deliver awesome value. You know. I find it staggering that people still click on those things. I, I know I know we all want success, but it's it's just I feel like the thing that we were talking about earlier, this whole dream of having the business, is it can be very, very harmful. And it's just perpetuating through our society and it's just magnifying. And I feel like the the isolation of, of the pandemic has not helped because people have been sitting around kind of going, Well, what can I do? I've just been laid off from my job. Oh, I've got a laptop. I can I can create an agency. There's a guy here on this ad on Facebook telling me that there are five secrets. I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. And it, yeah. it doesn't doesn't work like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think and I think that that's uh, those needy people are attracted to those kinds of propositions on the whole i'm not saying there aren't some people out there who have good healthy uh formulas to make stuff work but i think there are a bunch of people out there trying to monetize that kind of five secrets process you know so uh 
whenever I have this conversation, I get I get hate mail from people saying you were talking about me, and it's actually no, I wasn't talking about you. You're just you're just a bit oversensitive. Um, but there are, I mean, there are some snake oil salespeople out there, and there are some really good people who can help people to run better agencies. I think that I just think that 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 um, trying to create FOMO, you know, long copy, just click here, lead magnet, landing page. Come on, guys, we we do this for our clients. <laughs> Still, you fall for it. Um, so, 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 yeah. I mean, that that's 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 how it is. But yeah, they, people do fall for it. I love that you you covered all those pain points for us, Robert, and you gave us the answers. I think for anyone who's listening, there would definitely be one thing they're like, "Yep, that's me. Well, yep, that's me." I, in a way, I haven't given the answer because I, I was doing a presentation earlier on today about what should really good businesses do, and actually, uh, th- there's a, a, a kind of reason why I wrote down that. Firstly, you need to know what your clients' problems are, so every agency needs to write down what your clients' questions are to be able to answer them. I need to be able to know what my clients' questions are to be able to answer them. But I think my, my, my real concern is it isn't rocket science, you know, compelling proposition, great at delivery, uh, buy for one price, sell for another price, uh, and the difference is profit. That, uh, uh, and, and people come on programmes, they do work, they try and grow businesses. And yet... They're still coming back. Most of those questions are questions that, had they been diligent about, and, and, and you know, more hate mails on its way, I can feel it. <laughs> had, had they been more diligent and more workmanlike about creating and setting up this business process for their for their business, then they might not have suffered in the same way. In other words. The same intensity that they might apply to understanding the latest Google algorithm or the same intensity that they might apply to creating a really brilliant set of scripts for some work they do. They need to apply that to their business. You know, what is you know, what is the why do people come to the business? How can we get more people to come to this business? Uh, and when they do come, how can we make them stay longer and how can we deliver awesome value for money? They should just be applying the same, the same rigor to working on the business that they apply to working in it. Do you think that applies to businesses of all all sizes, Robert? I mean, one of the the questions I wanted to ask is how can these smaller agencies push through that glass ceiling? But is that a, is yeah. that the same okay. challenge for for larger businesses as well? Well. Uh, that's a really great question. So I think the answer to that is yes and no. So so universally, uh, so universally the model's the same. Financial performance is a consequence of how good you are at marketing and selling and operations. If you're pants at marketing or your pants at operations, your finance will be average. And if your pants at both marketing and operations, your finance will be perhaps that's just maths. Um, but there is a difference. So the great thing about the larger business is it has the resources to to respond and do stuff. The problem with the small business 
So in, in, if you go to, if I go to a hundred person agency and we, um, and they say, yeah, our, our proposition isn't right. It's not compelling enough. We need to rewrite it. We need to redo the website. They will have people who can do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But if you go to a five person agency, whenever you say, I think your website needs a tweak, you know, who's going to end up doing it. It's going to be the owner and they're going to be doing it at the weekend. So there's a real sense of, of disproportionate uh, emphasis on the owner in a smaller business. Because like going back to the lady I was talking to about before, she's doing marketing, she's doing accounting, she's doing business development. She's not able to specialize in anything and she becomes a jack of all trades. So, so the larger business has the great advantage of having more resources and it's been there and done it before. So it knows how, so when a, a larger agency thinks, oh, shall we do uh, YouTube advertising as well? It's just like, yeah, we apply the same uh, rubric that we applied when we decided to introduce SEO or PR or video or whatever it is, which is we need a sponsor, we need a team, we need a proposition, the sales team need to know about it. And it's like a plug and play. But when you're really, really small, every new in employee, every new product or service, every time Google up, you know, upgrade the, the algorithm, it's like overwhelming. So I think that's 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 the big difference. I think the second thing is, you know, I see growth of agency owners, owner founders like, uh, you know, like baby, infant, child, young adolescent, adolescent, adult, and at each stage, you're good at different things. And, and you and so your, your admin, your pricing, your product, your, your way of managing your leadership style, your sales style changes as you as you morph from one to the other. And, and the the mindset of the 30 person agency owner is entirely different from the mindset of the 10 person agency owner. And you know you you start talking with more zeros at the end, uh, and so it's really hard. It's, it's harder going from zero to five than it is going from twenty-five to fifty, because you're just you're changing everything. Whereas at twenty-five to fifty, there's a system in place. You've got some money in the bank. You've got some lifetime clients. And then when you go from 100 to 150, you know, you've got some heavyweight people in the board who can do stuff, you know, and, and in that sense, it gets easier. So uh, it is much tougher breaking those glass ceilings when you're small. And I think there is a massive glass ceiling at about 15 people where, uh, where you start to uh, recruit people who are non-fee earners. You know, that's such a big hit. You give someone 50,000 quid, and they don't give you any more, any more fees. And if you think about it, if you've got a 20% net profit, for you just to pay for their salary, they need to be doing five times 50, 250, an extra 250,000 quid's worth of sales just to pay for their, for them. My mind's blown. Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm... <laughs> my mind is melting out of my ears. Um, this is this has just been a tremendous conversation, Robert. So much insight, uh, so much stuff to think about. But um, I've, got, I've got one final question. I want to pick your brain one final time. Um, obviously, the digital agency industry is, is still is still a relatively new thing. I mean, we've only been doing this for like what, 
less than 30 years old, so still mm. a baby, really. Um, but business growth itself, as the general concept, is, is timeless. Now, if I was to ask you for one evergreen technique that you would bestow upon a business leader, someone that's potentially listening to this podcast in like, say, 30 years time, what advice would you give that person? I'm going to, I'm going to break the rules and do two. Um, (laughs) The first one is be able to answer the question, why should people bother to buy from you when they can buy from the competition? And the second one is put your bloody prices up. <laughs> Amazing. Charge as much money as you possibly can, 30-year-old, 30, 30 years in the future people. You heard Robert. You heard him. Do it. Do as you're told. Robert, it's been tremendous having you here on the PPC Burrito. Thank you so much for joining. Um, before you depart, um, what are you up to right now? What's going on in the Craven sphere? And uh, where can our dear listeners find you okay so what's going on at the moment is we're running our wonderful mastermind groups and coaching and consultancy sessions and we've got a a conference we're lining up and we're running this member brilliant member hub which is like a subscription-based place where can people get hold of us uh so it's after the top the the name of the book was grow a digital agency so we called it the guider initiative gyda initiative and you can get hold of me at guiderinitiative.com or to be more precise rc at guiderinitiative.com and uh, be more than happy to talk to people and of course we're on all the usual social media channels right that's it it's 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 that's it's happening i'm gonna have to just grow a robert craven mustache <laughs> can it be a gray mustache can you just Go straight to grey moustache. Well, I mean, I'm starting to get a little bit of grey in the beard anyway. Mm. So, I mean, maybe maybe by the time I've actually been able to grow a moustache that's on his level, it might be grey anyway. Do it. Do it. Anyway, <laughs> that was a really good conversation. I hope you enjoyed it too. Um, so much knowledge. So much knowledge there. And uh, we are going to have to get Robert back on the show, uh, hopefully ASAP, uh, depending on his schedule. He's so busy. He literally has done, he, he does like one of these a day. So thank you once again, Robert. Becky, um, we promised at the start of the show that we were going to provide, we were going to drop some knowledge. Yeah. It's not It's not so much dropping knowledge, but it is relevant to the conversation that we've just had. Correct. So for all you listeners that aren't working in an agency, we figured you might be listening because you're curious about how agencies work or you're working with an agency. So we just wanted to use this opportunity to to talk about what you might want to watch out for with a when working with a PBC agency. I mean, this isn't us telling you to to sack off your current agency and come with us. I mean, you can well, do. Right. It, might, it, might be. it might be. Um, but it's just food for thought and, and a different kind of tip. So, um, yeah, we've got five to fire through. We'll go through them very quickly. And number one, I feel like I need a top of the pops at number one. Number uh, one. <laughs> they won't give you access to your own account. <sighs> yeah. So we've talked about 
the importance of transparency and it should be a major red flag if you are working with or about to work with any agency who will not give you access to your own Google Ads account. This this is this is the biggest red flag of them all. If they do not give you access to data that you are paying for, bin them as quickly as you can. Yeah. Yeah. They either don't want you to see the true performance or they might be managing your campaigns amongst other campaigns, which is really bad practice. Um, so make sure you've got access. Um, number two, the, their idea of success is different to yours. So uh, Robert touched on this again towards the beginning of the conversation. Um, you've got your goals, you've got your reasons for why you're wanting to, to work with an agency um, on a PPC campaign. If they're trying to fob you off with other metrics, impressions, for example, then it's not going to work. You want to make sure that they're reporting on the key performance indicators that you both agree um, and to make sure that they're clearly visible and accessible. It, it can be kind of an innocent thing. They might, you know, performers might be good, and but they might just be talking about things that you're not particularly interested in. I think it's very important that, you know, and, and it's all in how good the kickoff process is because, you know, you as a client are going to tell them what data, you know, what the KPIs are. And if they're talking about things that aren't related to things that you need to, to continue to, you know, essentially put money into this endeavour, then you need to have a chat with them. Yeah, absolutely. Number three, you can't remember the last time you spoke to them. So if you haven't had that chat and you haven't spoken a while, um, yeah, it, our best relationships are the, the result, the, sorry, the accounts that we drive the best results for are from clients where we have a regular communication stream. Um, and that's because we know what's going on in their business and we can come up with more ideas to support whatever changes are going on. Um, so you want communication to be at least fairly frequent. So if you've not had a chat with with your agency in months and months, um, then that is a problem. Yeah, and you know, they're, they're, this is on a spectrum. I mean, we're not expecting your agency to start taking it to the cinema every Tuesday night <laughs> or anything like that. But there should be you know, a fairly consistent communication stream. You know, we, we always say that the best relationships we have are the ones where the visibility is pretty much there all the time. It is a collaborative process. It's not just a tick in the box and, and off you go kind of thing. Um, just, you know, don't forget who the people are who are providing with the service. And if you've not heard from them in ages, yeah, um, I don't know. Have a word. Have okay. a chat. <laughs> Um, number four, you don't have a clue what they're talking about it. Mm. So, again, it kind of goes similar back to the KPI one, but if they're just giving you loads of acronyms sorry, um, and they're not explaining what it is, it's, it's a little bit bamboozling um, and you're not going to appreciate it, so... Also, I mean, if you're getting data that you're not looking at and you don't care about, I would say do tell the agency because they can probably, hopefully, if they're a good agency, they can strip that out and give you the information that they do need. Yeah, it's 
a sign we were saying this off air a sign of someone that really knows what they're talking about is someone that doesn't have to use acronyms all the time they can essentially just tell you what it is in just regular day-to-day language it might be that you might know what those acronyms are and if you do great but you know people that are just going to bamboozle you with you know ctrs and you know average cpcs and you know search impression shares and all that kind of stuff without you really knowing what what they mean it's just meaningless how can you appreciate what they're doing if you don't understand it and then finally they're more reactive than proactive so again this one kind of comes back to the the communication element um but if they're just just ticking along and they're not making any suggestions for how they can improve things for you or deliver new campaigns potentially um then there may be an agency that perhaps can be more proactive in their in their ideas for you um i mean sometimes people do take the approach if it's not broken don't fix it um but unless you have these conversations if if you're telling them a lot of things are happening and then they're not coming up with ways to utilize ppc as a part Mm. of that um then that should be a concern not you shouldn't just be getting stock answers yeah it's 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 one of those things that we, we we say all the time and you know running the risk of it coming to come across as a bit cliched but we do a digital gearbox we genuinely see ourselves as an extension of our partners marketing teams and i feel like there's this you know it's on us to be acutely aware of what is going on with our partners business you know we, we won't know everything and for that you need the collaborative communication stream that we just mentioned but you know anticipate things you know see what they're talking about you know what are they talking about on their on their website or their social media are they launching a product soon have they not told you about it because the thing that we have to remember and you know not be that precious about is that you know from our perspective as a ppc agency we are just one component of our partners wider marketing strategy they might just forget to tell us stuff they don't usually but if they do you know we need to be on the ball and we need to constantly be looking at what they're doing but also how do we continue to innovate what we're doing for them as well it's super important be as proactive as you possibly can do it do get it. on it now <laughs> i feel like we always end our tips of do it do it now <laughs> do it do it now yeah it's it's but you know it's just one of those things where you know and, and this isn't just aimed at you know people who are currently being provided with a service this could be um for an agency owner or an agency manager they you know if you're if you're listening to this you these are things that you can look at and you can potentially address in your own organization right now so i hope well, we hope that they have been helpful yes becky is there anything else that you would like to say this week uh thanks for thanks for listening we always appreciate anyone who's giving the burrito a listen and if you have anyone else that you think would like some ppc knowledge goodness then do do recommend us yeah Give yeah. You know, tell them to tell them to come our way. We 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 don't bite. 
I do hug a lot though. Now that we can do it, <laughs> and uh, and there we go. That's a wrap. Thank you for joining us for another episode, another delicious episode of the PPC Burrito Podcast. If you haven't already, consider following us on LinkedIn and also on Twitter and Instagram at Digital Gearbox. If you want to use PPC platforms like Google Ads to unlock more traffic, leads, and sales, feel free to get in touch either by dropping us a message on social media or by going to our lovely, beautiful, brand spanking new website www.digitalgearbox.co.uk So from me, Michael and me, Becky Stay safe, stay happy and until next time, amigos keep on optimising Optimising